0: See, you know, again, what's cool about the Bitcoin community, even the white folks in it aren't like regular white folks, (laughs) they're the ones that are so
1: far back.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bitcoinist podcast, I'm your host Tyson O'Him and today I'm here with Sinclair Skinner, founder of Bitmari. And But Mari's doing some very interesting things in uh, developing nations, particularly Zimbabwe, with uh, Bitcoin and financial access. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, what y'all are doing?
0: Yeah, well, well, the big thing we're doing, we're actually a Pan-African uh, Bitcoin platform where we're connecting African people throughout the world and uh, our minimum viable products being developed in Zimbabwe. So our, the lowest hanging fruit that most people are aware of in, in these developing countries is remittances, but we really are. We really see Bitcoin as the foundation of a real, you know, financial transaction infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. And and so much of it's uh, because of the the need. You know, they say uh, uh, necessity is the mother inve- invention. We, we say desperation is the father. So it's very very uh, important in these countries where you have really some brilliant uh, business folks. But the systems they have access to are just terrible, so yeah, absolutely we think Bitcoin is a is definitely a super way to kind of you know continue to leapfrogging over some of these you know, antiquated ways of uh, doing transactions.
2: could you explain the uh, economic circumstances in Zimbabwe and other places in Africa that make Bitcoin particularly useful for remittance and as a store of value
0: yeah well um I think I, could, I started doing business uh, there in 2007. My co-founder is originally from Zimbabwe, and we both went to Howard University, a historically black college in uh, Washington D.C. And uh, I worked on some projects from uh, ethanol. My background is mechanical engineering. Okay. So we worked on uh, some projects for you know ethanol. We did some agriculture projects with the Chinese, and one of the you know biggest issues always was moving money. So in 2009. It was, you know, a big issue of hyperinflation. And one of the things that we actually give give away to folks are some of these, like, you know, trillion-dollar notes from Zimbabwe. But what a lot of people don't really realize is that somebody had a cabinet meeting where they had to tell the president, we're no longer going to use our own fiat currency, that we're actually just going to stop using it. And you know what? We're just going to use any, even everybody else's currency and and forget trying to actually have a currency. So they – You know, with something that, you know, would have probably just been a crazy political conversation in so many places. Yeah. Because of the desperate situation they were in, somebody said, look, you know, somebody had the balls to say, you know, enough's enough.
2: Exactly. (laughs) And it's so hard to imagine that in the developing world, a conversation like that, or I'm, I'm sorry, in the West, a conversation like that would ever take place with institutions like the Fed and.
0: Right. And and that's the part I think Bitcoin people don't get since they don't understand Africa. We have a very Eurocentric view. But if you're an, an African country and you're really someone who's about liberation, you know the banking system is what was brought colonization, slavery, all these other things. Actually, these banking systems made their first money off actually moving people around and trading people. So. Even when we talk about these institutions, and, and again, these developing countries have institutions, but most of these institutions were created by folks who wanted to extract wealth, not to build wealth. So even if you look at Africa as a continent, the countries were created by Europe. Those countries weren't created by Africans. Yeah. So, even the, so the fundamental, just the nation states were founded so that banks could extract wealth by any means. So when you start talking about Bitcoin, that's, the, that's why even in, when I'm in Zimbabwe and other places in Africa, I don't have to use code words. I don't have to say blockchain. I can say Bitcoin because people there thought it would take 20 years before that technology would make it. So what you really now are trying to figure out is how to get user adoption. What you're really trying to figure out is how to move the big European players like Barclays and, and Standard Bank out of the way because they have more, the most control over these institutions. Yeah. But someplace like Zimbabwe, where they had such a problem, it has, there they use basically about four or five. They have a multi currency uh, regime. So they use the RAN, they use the PULA, which is in Botswana, they use the dollar, they use the WAN. And these are all fiat, which is, of course, not the best way to transact. But you can meet a 10 year old child in Zimbabwe and they know the difference between 100 rand and $100 like, and will tell you where to get the best rate on it. So again, the the, the their uh, ability to adopt, they've demonstrated that. So when we looked at that as a use case, like you know what, why not just add one more currency?
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, why not?
0: That's we. So we found a bank partner, we signed our first deal with a French uh, uh, a customer, uh, a bank, an agriculture bank in Zimbabwe, and now we're in the process of uh, working through their the regulatory space with this. Uh, with this bank. And again, we did that because we learned a lot from uh, people like BitPesa where we saw how, you know, you could have a great idea, but you can't hijack people's economy. Or let me say no way. You could have a great idea, but if you don't go through a certain process, they'll think you hijacked their, their, their their economy. And so, you know, and I, and and oftentimes when people talk about what we're doing in, in in Zimbabwe and Africa in general, they talk about other competition, other players, and we always say, you know, companies like BitPesa have been very helpful because they have a sterling reputation and they've been d- dealing with the hard work of doing the hard work. So our biggest competition is this, you know, user adoption and awareness. And by going through the working through the regulatory process, it's taken us much longer. But at the same time, once we get there, we think now we we have a, a buy in as it were, that will be helpful. So when we approached the bank, we said, "Look, we can help you with cross-border uh, transactions. This could generate more revenue than you currently have by using other players in the space who we'll give you you as an agent at no no percentage of, of the commissions. So this we we can determine the commission structure, you know, based on what we think is the best for the for your customers. Yeah, yeah. So when they saw that, they saw it as like, wow, this is value add. This is not you trying to come and destroy us." And remember, I'm talking about local banks. So I'm not talking about, again, you know, a Barclays who doesn't give a darn about research and development in, in Africa. They just want to extract wealth. I'm talking about a, a local bank that has a, a mission to empower, you know, farmers. They're saying, how do we do our job better because we don't have the, the means or the funding to do – to use these other uh, uh, methods. Tell, this is open open – this is
2: great. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um... And using Bitcoin as a service to enhance uh, traditional banking has always seemed a lot more practical than y- using it as a replacement. So that's, that's well, very even
0: I'm saying even
2: Muammar Gaddafi
0: had talked about a United States of Africa, and one of the things that they talked about was doing away with the borders, with visas, and doing away with these all these currencies. But it often came down to a political argument, like you know which side of the board you're on. What I like about and I've done enough of politics, but I like about this is it's it, the technology is just is just ten times better than anything else you have. Yeah. So we don't have to have a conversation about who's are we gonna use a CIFA, are we gonna use a right? No, no. We're gonna use the best modes to convey value. And what is that? Bitcoin. So again, without us getting in the weeds with uh, who's gonna win this political space, we're saying the technology will demonstrate it's better anyway. So we think Ultimately, we can get a space where right now we're dealing with fiat, but ultimately we would, in, in our thesis, that people would stay in Bitcoin. There's no reason to go back out into fiat, and we even go further to say that most of the – you know, they, people make fun about Zimbabwe and their currency. Well, we, we know most of these currencies are fictions. Most of them are pegged to the dollar. Most of these are pegged to the, the euro. They're not – these aren't really f- currencies so we need to stop you know we're in in the continent we're very clear that you know we can continue this neo-colonial financial system or we can find the best methods in order to transact with each other and we think bitcoin is 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 so amazingly the space okay praise god
2: so bitcoin and bitcoin services uh rely pretty heavily on um tech infrastructure and um in Developing nations, rural areas especially, uh, that can be a very hard issue to co- overcome. Can you tell us how uh, BitMari um, circumvents those challenges?
0: No, it's, it's what you just said. It's a challenge. So um, right now we're bootstrapping, and we're really trying to get that you know best use case. So the project we have right now, while we're waiting for approval from the Reserve Bank and the regulatory uh, agencies in Zimbabwe – is we're basically using bitcoin as a token as a we locally we're calling it a digital coupon okay so what we're what we're doing we have a, a a wallet a bitmari wallet that the farmers download okay we're, we're able to again and this is why bitcoin's so amazing so we got 100 farmers all over Zimbabwe we're able to send them hundreds of dollars you know in minutes <laughs> yeah. crazy. you can never do that from from Washington DC Amazing. Okay, so beside and know that they got it. You know, not to wonder did they get it or not. Where's it? So with that also being said, part of our process is figuring out how to deal with some of the pain points. So in in Zimbabwe and many places in Africa, smartphones are, are more and more available, but data in in Africa is is ridiculous. The cost of data, data, and again, again. You know, I'm probably, again, a, a pan-African conspiracy theorist, but you got to know that most of the cell phone companies in Africa are controlled by Orange, which is French, Vodafone, which is Europe, is, is England. So these folks are getting cash cows out of the data. So it's not, it, can you get a cheap Chinese phone that has, you know, Android in it? No, you can get that. But now the data is super crazy. Yeah. Um, Farmers, which again we're dealing with folks who actually generate income. So we're, when I say farmer, I'm not talking about someone who's doing subsistence farming where they can't eat every day. When I say farmer, we can say let's call them SMEs, let's say small medium enterprises. These folks are actually generating enough income to actually sell crops. So those are kind of like the the users we who would ultimately use a remittance, who would op- ultimately use financial transactions across borders anyway, is somebody who's actually creating a product. Okay. And that product are these crops. So for us, we're, we're not dealing with the person that's starving. And again, I'm not, and I'm, and of course, Africa's not all starving. I'm saying we're dealing with those people who actually need an alternative to what is available. Okay. If I'm underbanked a Bitcoin wallet, is much better and and these and in zimbabwe they also use mobile banking but again there's issue of interoperability so if you're not on the same carrier you can't use mobile banking but bitcoin there's no interoperability we don't care we're agnostic yeah you care less who your carrier is uh,
2: that actually so, leads into the next question if you don't mind i'm sorry uh mm-hmm. no no it's fine i'm um I was actually going to ask what sets apart um, the Zimbabwe Women Farmers Accelerator from other traditional foreign aid nonprofits. And you were saying it's about, you know, people that actually generate uh, products and wealth. So if you could just sort of segue into that, where we talk about the Zimbabwe Women Farmers Accelerator.
0: Yeah. So what we want, what we're attempting to do is work with customers that will be able to use our product once we get approval. So we're not we're working with businesses, and we'll call them farmers. These are folks already doing transactions. We're not trying to make money off this whole industry of poverty. We're actually trying to find the, the folks who are already making things happen, but maybe if they just get a little more resources, a little more technology, then now you see a tenfold return. So just like we talk about the accelerator space and the tech space – Can we in three months give you the growth that you would have done in three years? Well, we think in 10 months we can take these uh, farmers beyond the place they would have been in the the next three years. And Bitcoin is one of the technologies as well as some actual capitalization. So once we go through this process, the 100 farmers, we're going to identify probably the top 10, if there's more fine, of farmers that really knocked it out. And then we're going to get direct investment from folks in the states for those farmers. Let me say anyways. So if we have someone who's doing uh, chickens and they are actually doing a great job at taking the resources they're given and really multiplying those. These are real places where people can invest and a thousand dollars in America can't get you a really good investment. But in some place like Zimbabwe, $1,000 is almost like $10,000. Yeah. So you actually can get into a space and actually get a return. And you know, food security is real. And having direct access to farmers that have gone through a process where you can screen out who's serious, who's not, who's good, and actually have some type of metrics where you can evaluate, is this an investment I want to go into? That's what those farmers are looking for. They're not looking for handouts. They really believe they can make money off the land. I mean, that part of it is, is kind of amazing. Like yeah. In America, we're like, you know, especially black folks in America, you tell us, go back to a field. We're like, wait a minute. No, I'm not going back to slavery. <laughs> but these folks love the land. They're like, yo, I want to grow stuff. Yeah, and, you know, forget the city. I'm like, well, damn. Let's. What can we do with that space? That's amazing. And I think, you know, anyway. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's a definitely yeah. a better uh, environment than large agribusiness like we have here in the States. But um, you mentioned uh, cultural poverty. um do you want to talk any about uh other uh like foreign aid nonprofits and other other factors that maybe uh led yeah, to I'm, the I'm, genesis of uh, Bitmari? Yeah, so I think
0: and, and we got to be careful about this in the Bitcoin community and the tech community in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's it's like and and if you talk to Pan-Africanists in these spaces, there's no time did Europe ever go to Africa. To rape kill and steal like you'll never see like anybody come up with a policy statement you know what we're actually going to go here still steal kidnap people uh, take their wealth and leave it in a shambles it's always has been under the guise of civilizing uh, christianizing there's always been these lofty things told to us i mean you know when you're in school you read all these stories about how they was going to help folks and you're like well damn with all that help why is everybody still living crazy you know, my dad was in the Air Force, so I, so I got a pretty good military background. And, hell, we bombed J- Japan back into the Stone Ages. We bombed Europe. I mean, you think about it. You know, I had to do a Marshall Plan. Hmm. How do you rebuild all these places and then a continent still is as torn up as, as, as Africa is? We – many people think that these, these aid groups really aren't doing any more than what aid groups have done for hundreds of years in a continent. And it's not been helpful. So what we say is, look, let's find those folks who want to help themselves, connect them to the proper resources and technology, and let's place a bet on it. And if it doesn't work out, we'll find some other folks and place a bet on them. And we're not going to do debt. We're not, this is going to be an investment. That means if, it, if we lose, we walk away, hey, next time we'll do better. But we're going to try to find the best and brightest minds. That's what we're looking for. All right. And we don't think all those minds are – are in one place in the world. We think that the Einsteins have been in the world for thousands. For every group has had the brilliant folks. It's about connecting to them.
2: Absolutely. And so, yeah.
0: yeah, that that's our, our premise. All
2: right. So back to the technology. Um, just what what's making uh, this initiative possible in the back end? Uh, there's Bitcoin, obviously, but what about payment processors? You know, the challenges faced uh, for localization and just other hurdles of development.
0: Well, okay, so connectivity. So we're working, one of the parts of this that's made this project uh, interesting and fun is we're working with actual suppliers. So the inputs for farms like fertilizer, seeds, we're actually working with those suppliers. And like I said, we have not got authorization to use Bitcoin as a currency in Zimbabwe. But what we're doing, we're actually going to pre-fund an account with each one of the suppliers, the major suppliers that supply uh, 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 inputs for these crops. And so there's no way they can lose. Let me say another way. So a local supplier is being given $10,000. And every time someone comes in with their Bitcoin wallet and they want to actually purchase some fertilizer, they're going to say, I want to use, and and there's a a, um, supplier list of 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 supplies and by each supply is how much is it worth in bits. We don't connect it to dollars. We don't have to worry about what dollars are worth. So we're we're hedging this bet with the supplier saying, look, we're going to buy these things up front. When the customer comes in, they're going to actually use bits to redeem this digital coupon, which is just going to be a code. They're going to actually transfer those bits from their wallet into the supplier's wallet we're going to be able to capture that transaction and be able to track those transactions. And those people are going to get their seeds or get their fertilizer. The supplier loves it because, hell, they're dealing with a cash crisis. We're talking about pre-funding them. The farmer loves it because, again, now they have access to to these uh, inputs and they can now do what they do best, and that's grow
2: crops. So it's about so for- access to materials as well as um, empowering these people to do business.
0: Right. And see the power of Bitcoin. So what's going to happen is that multiplier effect. These folks are the drivers of of, these agriculturally based economies. So when you have farmers saying, I'm using Bitcoin, bro, that goes. Again, you look at how the tech community goes to Africa. They always just stop at the universities. Yeah. They don't talk to like business people locally who are doing the hard work of being entrepreneurs. They talk to the people that they feel comfortable with. A lot of times that's the the three-year-old child who can't say anything, but they think they're cute, or the college student that's kind of been westernized enough where they feel comfortable. But the folks out there who have been making a way and are super resourceful and super, like, you know, entrepreneurial, those are the folks who are going to help us with adoption because they know how to make shit work, make stuff work. So, again, for us, we're putting it in their hands and we're observing. We're not trying to be brilliant. We're really just trying to be very helpful. And I think from that, that process, we're going to develop the best use case. And then from that we can come up with something that we can call our MVP, you know, using the words that people know, and scale from there.
2: All right. Well, going back to a long-term adoption, a uh, common concern with web service integrated wallets is uh, key security and ownership. Does Bitmari have any access to its users' uh, private keys or wallets?
0: No. So we're using uh, uh, Copay's API. Okay. So again, you know, I told you we're bootstrapping. So we're actually pulling together APIs from other uh Bitcoin uh companies in this space. We're we're using right now we have a relationship with Uphold. We're we using parts of what they're doing for our KYC, uh and we're using um Copay for our wallet uh client, and we're actually and talk to some other folks that will try to integrate what they're doing. Again, as we until we get our minimum viable product, we want to make sure that we spend most of our energy on figuring out the best use. So if people are to come up with a new wallet seemed to be ridiculous to us. And then actually, like you just said, we really believe in the sovereignty of, of the individual. So again, I'm not an anarchist. But I do believe in a radical, you know, independence of the individual. So I don't want to hold anybody's uh, uh, Bitcoin anyway. We want them to hold their, their Bitcoin. No one can take that away from them. So that's our concept.
2: Okay. Uh, is the technology in your wallet uh, source available or open source? Uh,
0: I, I would say it's source available. We have a GitHub account that our developers use. Um so, I mean, yeah, people definitely can, can get access to it.
2: Okay, cool. And, uh, you know, obviously security audits have been a particular sticking point in the crypto community with the, the DAO and other thefts. So that's that's definitely good. Um, yeah,
0: you know, and, and,
2: and let's
0: talk about the practicality. We've, uh, we're have we represented by Perkins Coie, uh, a law firm that took, you know, they saw what we were doing and really bought into it. But, you know, having, you know, being a custodian of somebody's Bitcoin is problematic as a small company. For sure. So we've had to go through. We've done our, our, our FinCEN licensing. But, again, we're, we're trying to leverage other people's licenses like an uphold to kind of get the pieces together until we actually get a, something that we think is really going to be the, the, I won't say killer app. It's kind of cliche, but the actual use case that's best. So, well, yeah, I mean, why like,
2: reinvent the wheel? Why dog food all of it if there's a thousand other people doing the same thing?
0: Here, here. Power to the people, bit.
2: <laughs> Alright, so um, arguably a lot of Bitcoin's value comes from the utility in circumventing capital outflow and uh, local instability. Um, and BitMari obviously leverages a lot of that. Uh, do you see it becoming equally useful as a payment system, a value transfer system, rather than um, you know circumventing regulation as a store of value? No, I, I, yeah, I think it's
0: definitely. I think, again, when we talk about cross border payment, we're not just talking about cross borders to the United States or outside. Within the continent, you know, again, you have borders that were made up, and then now you have uh, uh, currencies that are made up. What we're saying is we you can have more, you can reduce the friction in doing transactions between Botswana and Zimbabwe by using Bitcoin. Okay. And, and that's better for everyone. So, again, we're trying, and we're trying to find the use case and the people who need help, and those people are the ones that I think can take a transaction from Mozambique to Namibia and say, "Look, if I can do all this with Bitcoin, because Zimbabwe is between Namibia and Mozambique, just to give you an example. Oh, okay. If someone's using Bitcoin, and they're and, and they're actually transacting and they're going from one place to another. If they were just using one language, let's call it Bitcoin, that that makes life better and makes business better. So for us, again, I'm saying we, we, our thesis is that Bitcoin is, is, is everything. A store of value, a transaction, a payment thing is really super amazing. We're not going to – and I'm not saying anything wrong with Ethereum or any of these other things out here. But we think the fact that Bitcoin was able to last this long under the radar, it, it was able to grow enough – where it became strong enough, that's harder to destroy by anyone. I think the biggest thing you're gonna see that's problematic, not just with Ethereum and these other uh, uh, coins that come out, now that these, you know, this whole cryptocurrency space is on the radar of the governments and these huge players, they're gonna do everything they can to undermine a great idea. So this somebody might come up with something better than Bitcoin, but it's gonna be hard to reconstruct. 2009, and come forward to 2016 again. It's, it's going to be hard yeah.
2: to do that. I mean, it's, and I think, it's easy to replicate a technology, but hard to replicate the community using that technology. So,
0: right. And we've gone so far that to take, to take us out is harder. The, anybody else starts, again, with even you know, the Z, zero cone, Z colon, it's still to get the scale that you need to be able to fight back Bitcoin is, man, it's just a, it's just remarkable. That's yeah. what I, I mean, people talk about, you know, block size. I said, look, man, this right here is amazing. So I'll take it with all the little shortcomings. We can figure this out because we got a foundation that's amazing.
2: Yeah. You can always build Maybe on top right of there. that for sure. So that leads us to our next question. Um, how would you address people that conflate um, utilizing Bitcoin and supporting Bitcoin with supporting uh, extra legal commerce and the dark net market? Um, and then, f- t- sort of to follow that up, is extra legal commerce a valid Bitcoin use case?
0: It's extra legal. Uh, slavery was legal, so I- I'm not going to be the best person to talk about what laws are. But I, I do say this. I think the big issue that I see in, in, on the continent of Africa is a lot of these uh, scams, you know, OneCoin, Triple M, these multi-layer marketing pyramid schemes. Yeah. And, you know, those things, are, you know, we come out very strongly against the, the exploitation of people through their ignorance, through their greed. We think those are just wrong. Now, again, someone uh, trying to do a transaction uh, and it's not uh, re- you know, regulated or, it, or there's a regulations against that, that's not – I'm not the guy to that, talking on that one. Cause I'm, I'm like, look, as long as you're willing to accept the consequences of your action, then you need to go ahead and do what you got to do. Okay. That's how I see it. So everything else, you know, again, the scam stuff, it's all bad. But these other things – I'm saying we've grown men whatever you decide to do my father always taught me man just be willing to accept the consequences and I think Bitcoin has been able to battle that way like we will I mean to be in this space and deal with what the naysayers say or the haters say I'm cool with that I'd rather be on this side of the table than believing in fictions and lies that don't work for nobody but two people I'm not that guy please
2: all right Anyway. Yeah, awesome. awesome. It is a lot. A lot of the community is in favor of personal agency and all of that. And it, it obviously shows with the use cases and, um, you know, what you're trying to do with BitMari.
0: Yeah, it's a power, though. That's the, again, I, even with the arguments that I see in the Bitcoin communities, I, I say, you know, again, I'm not a libertarian. I'm not an anarchist. To have those type of cuckoo birds arguing, I think on your side, I think is the best. Because those are real folk. They To be a libertarian, to be a, you really got to be that. You don't fake that. There's a lot of fake Democrats, fake Republicans, fake capitalists, fake corporate <laughs> bankers, but there's not no fake anarchists. I mean, <laughs> you, you, who would even ask for that for their life? Yeah. But to be real, so I'm just saying, if we we're gonna live in this space and, and and be engaged, I'd rather be engaged with with technologists who have that worldview than folks who believe in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. I'm, I'm over that. That's please. That's tired. That's played out. I'm not, mm -mm. let's keep
2: it real. And we can disagree
0: that grown people disagree. So that's all right.
2: Yeah. Um, so outside of, uh, Africa and, uh, you know, obviously the access to materials and empowerment you're trying to do there with Bitmari, uh, do you see it, uh, having uses elsewhere in the world? And, uh, Where do you want to take it? What direction do you want to take it as a service in the future?
0: I just think we don't need to use any of these fiat currencies. I think we need to just use Bitcoin. I think we need to have a space where a handful of bankers don't decide our fate. I don't think we need a space where people are making currency a political issue. I think it just should be a utility. So in real ways, I think this allows people to do what what they're best at. Let's make payments not an issue anymore. Let's make it now, come up with a great idea to, to be a great farmer. Let's take that off your table. So I think the work that's been done in Bitcoin has allowed people to focus on the hard stuff. I, I even hear people, You know, again, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I've, I've seen the transition of manufacturing and how uh, automation has taken people's jobs. I'm of the mindset that human beings are super amazing. And repetitive motion jobs are probably not the best utility of a human being. Yeah. So some of these like ridiculous things that people fight for in jobs, I just think are we just we just accepted and lowered the bar too low. Yeah. I think we need to to create a, a space where you know our our higher selves, and that's not just intellect, your heart, your all those things. We should we should create an environment where you can optimize all of that. And I think Bitcoin is one thing that does that. I I even talk about uh, in in the African-American community about how we want to make racism obsolete. Uber is a, uh, you know, innovation. It's not really an invention. It's an innovation. But one of the most humiliating things as a black person in America was when you were trying to catch a cab. These taxi cabs, even black ones, would just pass you by. I mean, you can be in a nice suit with your girlfriend on a date, and the, you just – I'm telling you, as a grown man, you'd just be like – you'd be afraid. like just, Are we going to be out here for an hour trying to catch a cab and I look like an a asshole? Yeah. Well, I don't have to have – write my congressman. They, Uber came up with something where I don't even have to care about the taxi. they going to come pick me up anyway. The technology has now made that form of racism obsolete.
2: It created a well, big enough, competitive enough market to where you can't discriminate if you want to make money. Right.
0: Right. So with, with Bitcoin, I'm saying I don't need these banks that don't put ATMs in my neighborhood or charge outrageous fees so I can get access to money. I'm saying, look, man, damn that. Let's use Bitcoin. And then we're using technology that's even better. And we're not even we don't have to talk about racism. We can just talk about what's the best way to get the money to you, grandma. And that's what I'm saying. We don't have, I think in many ways this does away with these uh these constructs that aren't made to make life better. It's just made to hurt people. And I think Bitcoin can, can help with some of that hurting that people are facing. And I dig that.
2: All right. So is there anything you'd like to leave us with, you know, um, just plug or any thoughts?
0: Well, we we have a um, crowdfunding campaign for our, our women's farm cell accelerator. Uh, it's going on until like the 10th of November. And, you can go to bitmari.com. Uh, we're using Tilt as our platform. We had used Start Join. Uh, Max Kaiser has been a huge influence on my life as it relates to Bitcoin. And so they had their problems and they had a great platform. We actually did our first crowdfunding uh, for our company using Start Join and raised about $12,000 with that. So we have a crowdfunding uh, project for the farmers. Uh, we're trying to raise $25,000. And they can uh, find out more about it uh, on com, And uh, we're on Twitter, bitmari underscore, or on Facebook. So, you know, all the input, all the ideas and wisdom is, you know, we definitely we, you know, want it and we welcome it.
2: All right. Um, thank you, uh, Mr. Skinner, uh, for being on the show. Um,
0: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate you.
2: Again, everybody, that was Sinclair Skinner with Bitmari. Links to Bitmari and the other things we discussed will be in the description. Uh, leave a review or comment on iTunes. Uh, we're also available on SoundCloud, GPodder, or Stitcher. Uh, if you want to reach us with questions, comments, anything else, we're also available at Bitcoinistpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone.